Well, man, we're so excited for what God's doing again. Another amazing morning of people being uh, helped, healed, and set free in Jesus' name. It's good stuff. Thank you guys for showing up on a holiday weekend. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing. And uh, we just believe that God is doing things and wants to continue to do more things. We've been on this short little, I thought it was going to be a message, but you know how I roll. I'm, so, I'm as surprised as you are that this is a series. And uh, here we are in this series of seeking God. And I just, I just couldn't shake it. I'm like, man, I, that's what God is stirring in right now. And that's what I, that's what I try to always do if I feel that the Lord is really kind of pulling at something, then we just kind of hang out there for a while. And uh, we've been talking about seeking God. And uh, I'm hoping that in this series that, that at the very least, I mean, you may forget kind of 80, 90, 100% of what I said, but hopefully in the middle of all of that, your heart is stirred to the point where you're like, I can do this. I can seek the Lord. And so the first, first week we talked about giving God your attention, just giving God your attention, realizing that he's wanting to move and he's, he's there, he's around. And, and uh, we had a a testimony about that. Someone's just like, yeah, I just, I remembered the sermon. I'm like, okay. And uh, part of that giving God your attention was, I think it was in that one where I said, some of you need to, you, know, you just need to recognize God this week. I don't know, it was in one of the last couple. And uh, saying, some of you need to do something different. You know, turn on some worship music instead of, you know, the news or whatever. Uh, just spend an extra five minutes in prayer or or pray, you know, if you haven't been or what, you know, whatever. Just kind of like, I'm going to make room to notice God. And, you know, uh, Shauna said it and someone else told me this week. And so I, so as I was kind of just listing off things, I didn't have them written down. I'm just kind of rattling off ideas. I said, I said this and I thought it was kind of strange when I said it, but I, I said, some of you need to maybe turn off the worship music, which sounds like, like a weird thing to say. And I don't know how to say this any other way than to say, like, when you, when you speak a lot and, and once in a while, hopefully the Holy Spirit uses some of those words, sometimes the words, they taste different. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but you can, you can just feel it. And you just, you're like, huh, that was interesting. And I had two testimonies of our, already, you know, Shauna and then someone else. I actually turned off worship music this week. Like, I still worship, but, like, I did something different. I turned off worship. I used that time to seek the Lord and to pray. I'm like, huh, that's really cool. So I just love it when I accidentally get it right. <laughs> and isn't that the best? Aren't we all just, uh, we're just crackpots that are saying, God, use me. God, use me some way, somehow. And so last week we talked about earnestly seeking the Lord, eagerly seeking the Lord, passionately seeking the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, that that's really the call for all of us. Today we're just, we're actually just looking at, actually three verses is it for today. Uh, no, that's a lie. There are some other ones later. But uh, three main verses. And we're going to go into the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 34, verses 1 through 2, we're starting with today. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned, in, he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So three decades, just over. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Now, if, if you guys have, has anyone ever read the Old Testament or any of the Old Testament, any of these kings and chronicles, 
Talk about a roller coaster. Yeah, Israel is kind of like, hey, we're serving God. Oh, no, we're not serving God. Oh, we're going after, you know, Israel and Judah, but, you know, the, the group of God's people. Oh, and then, and then we'd get a good king, and we'd all serve the Lord, and but a few things wouldn't get taken care of, and then you'd have an evil king would come along, and it just kind of goes back and forth, and, and uh, there's lots of up and downs, and so Josiah was an incredible king. And uh, it starts off in, in the first verse of chapter 34. It introduces us to Josiah. He was eight years old. What were you doing when you were eight? <laughs> Listening to your mom tell you to stop eating mud, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you talk about uh, overachievers and underachievers, right? I mean, this eight-year-old is king of a country. You know, obviously, that's a little bit funny. I mean, he was. He was eight years old. And... Uh, because of lineage or whatever, he got to be king, and he reigned for 31 years. He did what was right in the Lord's sight. And uh, th we're just going to pick out a couple things out of here. And it says that he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. So it's giving this glowing recommendation of Josiah. We've just been introduced to him. He's eight years old, and it said that throughout his years, he walked in the ways of David. He walked in the ways of his ancestor David. So his walk, what he did, what Josiah did, it mirrored, it reflected, it was an image of what David did. So do you guys remember King David? Who was the very first king? Uh, trick questions. You guys didn't even study for the test. The first king of Israel? Saul. Saul was the first king. He had some issues, okay? And then, remember David? He was out with the sheep, okay? So they anointed David. So then David's king, and he was a man after God's own heart. And then, there, then his son Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, right? So that's kind of your three famous kings. And then it kind of, then you get a lot of riffraff. <laughs> then there's bad kings and good kings, bad kings and good kings. So we're introduced to Josiah, and he's saying that, that he, he was a good one. They're saying he's, this is one of the good ones. He was good. Why? Because he, his lifestyle, the way that he walked, what he did with his life, it mirrored what David did. And David, while he had his faults, is constantly praised for, for having a heart that follows the Lord, of being teachable, of being humble, of you know, just walking in God's ways. And so Josiah had a life that was reminiscent of the lifestyle of David. Walked in the ways of his ancestor David. So what about you today? Are you walking with God in a way that gives your descendants something to follow after? We don't think like that in America. We don't. We just don't. We don't think generationally. Cultures throughout history have thought generationally. Uh, I was just reading a little article or watching a video, I forget what it is, but it was talking about the number of projects today uh, that take 100 years. And we almost just laugh at that. But often, cathedrals were built, cities were built, palaces were built that would take 100 years to build. People would invest their lives starting a project that they knew that their great-grandkids would benefit from, that they would never see. And it was, just, it was just an interesting talk about culture and society today, and, and we're just pretty instant. Like, 100 years, like, we don't got 100 minutes in us, I'm just saying, right? And they're thinking 100 years. And so, how are you walking with God, right? Is your walk with God something that your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids can look back to and say, 
I want to walk like Grandpa Allen. Right? Great, great, great Grandpa Allen. Right? I want to walk with the Lord like Greg walked, you know, my, my ancestor Greg walked with the Lord, right? Your life is not just about you. You've got a ripple effect that goes down through the generations. And what you're doing today can affect how people are living 100 years from now. That's just weird. Well, it's just, hey, hands off. It's my relationship with God. Yeah, and I'm challenging you to live that out in a way. How many times have we heard over the years, you know, Marnie and I are just talking with different youth kids or whatever, just hundreds of kids that we've talked with and, and different people in life, and they're just saying, yeah, my grandpa or my grandma, they, they always, I, I want to walk like, and we've heard those stories. We've heard those statements. And it often actually comes up quite often. And I, you know, I know my grandpa always did this and he loved Jesus and my grandma, you know, whatever, or my dad or my mom or my uncle. Why not live a life that has ripple effects through generations? Why not live a life like that? And that's what Josiah was doing. He was walking out in the ways of his father, of his, of his ancestor David. So we go back to the verse here. He was eight years old, right? He, oh, uh, okay, yes. Thought we skipped a part, but we didn't. That's later. So he did what was right in the Lord's sight, walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside. Say turn aside. He didn't turn aside to the left or to the right. So his... His walking is straightforward. He didn't turn aside this way, and he didn't turn aside that way. That's great. All that makes him is a bad dancer. <laughs> Unless we can answer the question, what did he not turn? Like, plenty of us won't turn aside. We just call you stubborn, <laughs> right? That's not, a, that's not a good thing. That's not a character trait that we want to emulate. You just won't turn aside, right? You're going straight forward. But in the context of this verse, what did, they, what did Josiah not turn aside from? We have to answer that question to know if that was a good thing or not. And it, and it is a good thing. This verse is saying it's a good thing. What did he not turn aside to the left or to the right from? The ways of his ancestor David, and he did what was right in the Lord's sight. Yeah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He didn't turn aside to the right. He didn't get sidetracked. He didn't get pulled one way or another. He set his heart resolutely on walking like that, and he was stubborn for the Lord. Now, that's a trait some of us could use. You know, a little less stubborn, a little more stubborn for the Lord. He was stubborn for the ways of God. He was... He was resistant to anything but God's ways and the lifestyle that was reflected in, in the ways of his ancestor David. He had, was persistent. And so he walked in those ways. Okay? So we're going to go on to the next verse now. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And in the twelfth year, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images. So... In this verse, how old is Josiah? Oh, you guys are sharp. Yes, he is 16 years old. Because how old was he when he started reigning? Eight. And in what year of his reign? Eight. Yeah, so eight plus eight is 16. Yes, eight plus eight is 16. And it says while he was still a youth. 
these texts, texts, <laughs> these documents, the Bible, have been preserved for thousands of years. They didn't have databases. They didn't have word processors, right? Stuff was etched or written on a scroll, etched on copper scrolls or written on papyrus and, and uh, the other scrolls, the, like the animal hide scrolls. And it was a miracle of God to preserve these, and it was limited space. And so we know that it's breathed by the word of the, the breath of God, the, the movement of the spirit, that, that there's no mistake. And so everything that's in there, especially in the Old Testament, it gets there for a reason. It's there for a reason. Are you with me? It's there for a reason. Space was at a premium. Keeping these things through thousands of years was miraculous, okay? And we read that in the eighth year of his reign, while he's 16 years old, while he was still a youth, he began to seek God. While he was still a youth, and I just want to challenge you guys that there's more than just cell phones and music and friends, that in our youthfulness, there's, there's no minimum age required for seeking the Lord. Come on. We just saw this morning, man, we had a whole church full of youth up front praying for people. And it's not like a pat on the back and, oh, that's cute. I'm glad they got to pray for once. Like, we're expecting God to be doing miraculous things. Like, these youth, like what Marnie kind of shared some of that testimony as we're sitting in the van the other night, you know, youth are just sharing stuff testimonies of, man, I just, I went in a room and I was just praying for people at my work. You know, I'm reading my Bible and what's God showing you? Wow. And they're talking to each other and they're praying for one another and having spiritual gifts, words of knowledge, right? Words of wisdom. Oh, I got to go call a friend. Like that's the gifts of the spirit working in the youth. Yeah. Come on, old fogies, get with it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love what I love what you prayed. You know, I'm just over here like, I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be left behind. Like, I want to be, I want to be right where God is working and moving and breathing. I don't want to be like, oh, that's cute for them. Oh, good. Like, I want to be God. If you can do it in them, you can do it in me. Please do it in me. I want you to do it in me, right? Amen. Get your heart stirred. So while Josiah uh, was still a youth, yeah. He began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. And if you get anything out of today's message, this is the point that I want you to see. Was Josiah a good king or a bad king? Good king. Okay, you've been listening up to this point. He was a good king. Good king. I want you to look, we're going to go back to that other verse uh, right before. He was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor. He walked in the ways of his ancestor. Say walked. He walked. He walked in the ways of his ancestor. He did what was right. He went to church. He helped the poor. He didn't watch bad movies, right? I don't know. Fill in the blank. He... Uh, didn't all the, you know, he wasn't a liar. He wasn't greedy. He did the stuff, right? He, uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything else, but he did all the things that you would do if you're walking. He worshiped God, right? He, uh, you know, paid to the temple. He did, like, he did the things, did the stuff, walked in the ways of God. He did the stuff. How many of you want to walk in the ways of God? Six of you. Great. 
we're going to set this side message aside. We're going to go to a new one now. <laughs> Why you want to walk in the ways of the Lord. How many want to walk in the ways of God? Come on, church. Yeah, amen. We want to do the stuff. Like, I don't want to just wake up 30 years from now and I'm like, well, God knows that I know he's real. And like, that's the farthest it ever went. Come on, man. Like, we're living this Christian. We're living it out. Look at someone say, live it out. Come on, we're living it out. We're doing the stuff. We're going to church. We're loving our neighbor. We're helping the poor. We're being a blessing. We're serving where we can. We're we just, right? We're reading our Bibles. We're praying and fasting and, and serving and worshiping. And like we're doing the stuff. We're walking in the ways of God. I'm walking in the ways of God. This is what I'm doing day after day. Walking in the ways of God. Now it's Tuesday. What am I doing today? I'm going to be walking in the ways of God. How about on Wednesday? Walking in the ways of God. How about Thursday? Walking in the ways of God. A, a question. Walking in the ways of God. Good thing or bad thing? Good thing. Yeah, absolutely. We're walking in the ways of God for crying out loud. But I want you to see what happened. For eight years, eight years, Josiah walked in the ways of God. And then in the eighth year of his reign, something happened. Eight years later of walking in the ways of God, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his ancestor. Huh. Walking must be different than seeking. <laughs> huh. Never noticed that before. He walked in the ways of the Lord. He didn't turn aside to the left. He didn't turn aside to the right. Tuesday, Josiah, what are you doing? Walking in the ways of God. Hey, Josiah, what are you going to be doing this Thursday? Walking in the ways of God. Sin, bad. Devil, bad, God, good, right? Walking in the ways of God, right? He's doing the stuff. But on the eighth year of his reign, something moved in Josiah's heart, and he said, it's time to seek the Lord. He walked in the ways of his ancestor. He began to seek the God of his ancestor. He walked in the ways of his ancestor. He began to seek the God of his ancestor. There's a difference. There's a difference between doing the stuff and seeking him. Come on, you alive today? There's a difference. Like, we got to do the stuff. Like, I'd say if we could get the majority of Christianity to just do the stuff, that'd be really good. <laughs> I'd be like, win, win, win. But I'm just challenging you guys this morning, since you're here on a holiday weekend, you're doing the stuff. I'm challenging you guys, don't wait eight years to seek the Lord. I'm saying that seeking is not the same as walking. Seeking is this heart position. You're like, I'm doing the stuff. I'm honoring God with my life. I'm not walking in sin. I'm yielding my heart. I'm being good. I'm moral, right? I'm doing what the Lord tells me. I'm obedient. But all of a sudden, Josiah says, that's not enough. Man, that's not enough. That's not enough. It's not enough just to do the stuff. Doing the stuff is good, but it's not enough. Josiah said, man, I want to do something more. And his heart was stirred to seek the Lord. See, this is the stuff, and the stuff is from God, and it's right, but it's the stuff. Over here is God himself. He said, I want to, I'm going to seek the Lord. I want to seek God. I want to seek the face of the Lord. I want to know God for me. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just do the stuff. I don't want to just be good. Like, that's, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Guys, is that a good thing? It's a good thing. I want, to, I want to do the stuff. But I want to do more than that. I want to pursue God. I want to seek his face. 
I want to know God for myself. And it took him eight years. And when he was 16, he's like, I'm not satisfied anymore just with, with doing your stuff. The stuff, the good stuff, the commandment of God stuff. I'm not satisfied just with that anymore. That's good, but there's a higher call. There's a higher call. He said, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw some quotes at you. And uh, we'll just kind of walk through this just a little bit. John Piper got three of them from him. He kind of explains it like this. He says, his face, the brightness of his personal character is hidden behind the curtain of our carnal desires. Anyone ever experienced that before? This condition is always ready to overtake us. That's why we're told to seek his presence continually. God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness. That's exactly what we were talking about in, in week one, that awareness of God. Enjoy this continual awareness of his supreme greatness and his beauty and his worth. And he, he's just, I was reading an article and so I just copied these down because I just thought it was so good. He, John says, the heavens are telling the glory of God so we can seek God through that. He reveals himself in his word so we can seek him through that. He shows himself to us in the evidence of grace in other people. So we can seek him through that. And he finishes up by saying this. Seeking, it's the conscious effort. Like it's, it's, it's the lining up of my will to get through the natural means to God himself. Not just the stuff. That's what he's saying. Not just the stuff, but to get to God himself. To constantly set our minds towards God in all of our experiences. To direct our minds and our hearts toward him through the means of his revelation. This is what seeking God means. It's, it's really easy to think about, you know, well, seeking God. Well, I, I sought God, you know, and then he found me. I got saved, and then that's kind of it where most of what you see in the Word of God is, is people that know God and the challenge to seek Him. Seek His face. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek God. And that's a posture of my heart that I'm not just content doing the stuff. I love doing the stuff. Man, that's, that's what I do all week. I, I love the stuff. And the stuff is a means, but that's, that's just it. The stuff is not the end. The stuff is a means to an end. And the stuff is to help us break through our humanity and become aware, oh, it's God that I'm serving. I'm going to seek the Lord. As I'm, as I'm doing this stuff, I'm going to seek God because it's a change of my heart. It's a change of, of posture. It's a change of position where I, God, I want to see you. Seeking him means we want to see him. We want to find, we want him to become real and become aware of him moving in our everyday lives. So this uh, website, Crew America, CU America, says, uh, seeking after God isn't something to be primarily undertaken by non-Christians, which we do use that language, but by Christians. It's an ongoing mindset and a lifestyle of those who desire to know, love, and follow God. Becoming a Christian is a step in the process of seeking God, but it's only the first step. And the rest of one's life is to be spent drawing closer to him. And so I got one, one quote from A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called uh, The Pursuit of God, Chasing After God. And it's the first book that I ever read on a digital format. And Marnie and I were at, uh, we were down in Sioux Falls, I think. I don't know what we were down there for. And I had my, 
it was a nook back then. I've got a Kindle now, but it was a nook back then. And that was, I just got free books, <laughs> like going online and getting free books. And I found that one for free. And I'm reading this Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And I just remember sitting on the bed in the hotel room, like feeling like my guts are getting pulled out. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, that's good. Oh, wow. Okay. And you can highlight in there. I'm like, oh, that's so fun. And I just, I just consumed that book. And so I only have one of his quotes from that book, but uh, it says this. To have found God, meaning become a Christian, and to still pursue him is a paradox of love. I love his language. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religious person, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. Hmm. What he's saying is, if you want to be religious, you can be like, I've already got God. And you're right. What he's saying is, ask someone who spent some time seeking the Lord, and their hearts are burning for God, and they'll tell you it's worth it, and it's what you need to be doing, and why are you not? That's what Tozer is saying here. This was written, you know, 80 years ago or whatever. He's saying, man, the children of the burning heart, they get it. They know why. They, they know why. Like, Pastor, why are you up there just all freaking out all the time? Because like, I want you to know that there's more than just doing this stuff. There's more than just going to church. For crying out loud, I love church. But if that's all there is, I don't know. I just want to, man, I want to be, I want to seek the Lord. I want to set my heart. God, I don't want, this isn't enough. It's not enough. I want to know you more. All right, I think all the rest of the quotes are from this Professor Diandanu Tomfu. <laughs> it's the best I got. He's a, a professor of theology at Bethlehem College and Seminary. And I read that article and my heart melted. I was a puddle. And I'm like, I just want to stand up in front of the church and read this article to you and then go home. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I'm like, I'll settle for five or six quotes, and we'll end for today. But it was just putting into words so much of what my heart was stirring about. And that's why I love quotes. I mean, sometimes your guys' eyes glaze over or whatever, but there's people that, under the anointing of God, are so much smarter than me, and they say things so much better. And, you know, I don't know. Let's just, let's just read a couple quotes. He said this. He said, I realized that life was to be an active pursuit of God. It was not enough that I had found God. I must keep finding him. Come on. And God alone is enough to satisfy all my longings. And he says, he goes on, he says, when God satisfies a soul, that soul does not stop seeking the source of satisfaction. Once an empty, longing soul has tasted true pleasure, it can never go back to the empty cisterns and stay there. In this way, listen to this, guys. In this way, Christians are both restless and satisfied. They hunger and thirst no more, as Jesus promised, and yet they always hunger and thirst for more of God. It's the paradox. It's the now and not yet. It's the upside down kingdom. It's the backwards, well, this, it's the this and. It's the I am satisfied completely in him, and yet I'm never satisfied. That's my challenge this morning. It's like I've found God. I've embraced God like God. I found him as much as, you know, I found Marnie. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a God thing, you know? Like God found me, right? And it's, at the same time, it's like, when can I find him? 
And if you know, you know. I found God. I've embraced him. And I can't wait to find him. I'm seeking the Lord. My heart cries for, for more of his presence. For more of his face. For more, more of his correction. For more of his, his power to yield to him and to say no to the world. To, to not turn to the left and the right. To do the things, but not for the sake of doing the things, but for doing the things so that I can get to him so I can keep my heart postured on him. He goes on to say, in God's word, those satisfied with God spend a lifetime seeking satisfaction in God. Those filled with God search for fullness in God. Those who have found God never stop searching after God. The unrelenting pursuit, which is why I wore my t-shirt today. The unrelenting pursuit of God defines believers. If you can't read it, it says relentless pursuit. That is why they keep reading the same scriptures again and again to find more of God. They pray for more of God. They memorize passages for more of God. An unrelenting pursuit. And just true story. We're just about done. Every time I pull this shirt out of the closet, this is from Acquire the Fire was one of their themes one of the year. I actually bought this at Lifelight. Bought an Acquire the Fire shirt at Lifelight. And every time I pull this out and I put it on, I'm sad because it's going to be like ripped pretty soon. It's, it's fading away. But it stirs my heart. And it's not an idol. It's not, a, I mean, like, but it just, it reminds me. I don't want to stop. Listen, guys, listen. I, I want to be, can I, can I be honest? Can I take two minutes and be honest with you? I've had long and deep conversations with Marnie and mostly with myself about is it worth it seeking the Lord? It'd be a lot easier just to do this. Okay, God, you are good. I love you and I'm going to heaven. And that's it. It would be a lot easier some days. And then my heart just starts aching. And I go, no, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not, and I, and I pray that you are miserable. That's my prayer for you. <laughs> because the satisfaction that comes from the aching is worth more than anything you're experiencing right now. I promise you. I've been tempted in seasons when I've been weary and disappointed and deflated and, and in a bad space in my head. I've been tempted to just say, God... Why can't we just be a church and we just go and we sing a couple happy songs and then just someone does a little message and we go home? Because I know that marriages are still falling apart. Because I know that sin still rears its ugly head in your heart and it needs to be ripped out. Because I know that bodies are broken and need to see the healing of God. Because I know that relationships need to be mended. Because I know that without the presence of Jesus and the power of God, it's human effort at best. And I'm not saying that, I'm not denying the power of the gospel to transform a life, but I'm saying this continued pressing in. That's why I get animated up here. It's not just a style. It is that too, but it's, not, it's because it comes from a sincere heart of passion 
to see us all experience the more of God, to not give up, to not, not give in, to not go to the left or the right, to not just do the stuff. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just pay my tithe. I don't want to just help the poor. I don't want to just be nice to somebody. I want to walk this out so that I embrace God in a way that I never have. I want to be embracing him at 70 more than I was at 50. I want to, I want to capture his heart. I want to see him. He says our longing is not to re-experience the joy we had when we first beheld him. And that's so often we hear that. Oh, I just remember my first love, and I want to kind of get back to that. But listen to this. But it's to experience new joy through a greater knowledge of him. We're not addicts chasing the first high because the same dose don't give, doesn't give us as much pleasure. <laughs> Rather, we're climbers, Jim. We're climbers. Jim said that this morning. We're climbers. Was that you? Somebody. No, that was Mary. I don't know. Who said the slide thing? Stephen. Of course it was Stephen. <laughs> We're climbers ascending a mountain to see more of its beauty. <sighs> God, we want to see you. God, we want to see you. God, we want to see more of you. This is a last slide, but I just pray that your hearts are stirred. Last one. Make God your greatest treasure and you will never ultimately suffer loss. Make him your greatest treasure, and you'll be empowered to let go anything to gain Christ. Possessions will no longer be chains, but they'll be channels to enjoy your one true treasure. The loss of dreams and the loss of loved ones, though painful, they'll no longer be the loss of hope. God will be all you'll need. You'll have all your pleasure, all your satisfaction, all your desires in one, in Jesus. In Jesus. Seek the Lord, folks. Come on, it's worth it. Seek the Lord. It's worth it. Set your heart. Set, and only you can do that. I can't be like, dude, you're seeking the Lord this week, and I mean it. <laughs> right? It has to be something that stirs in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, and you go, okay, I want to do that. I'm not even sure quite how to do that, but I want to do that. You're seeking Him. You're seeking Him. You're seeking him. You're not just doing the stuff. The stuff is a means of doing that, but you're doing more than that. It's more than the stuff. It's more than just being moral. It's more than just being obedient. It's seeking God. And the rewards of that are incredible. You'll find all your pleasures, all your satisfaction, and all your desires in one. The face and the person of Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, the maker of all things, your redeemer, the one who chooses you, the one who sustains you, the one who wraps you in his love, draws you near, keeps you to the very end. It's Jesus. That's all I got for today. Hmm. I agree, I could just weep. He's so good, he's so good. And if at the end of the series, all you guys have done is just come and watch us cry, well then I guess, uh, I don't know. It's better than a kick in the head, but, but my, my sincere desire is that somehow a grain of salt from the sweat of our passion of seeking the Lord lands on your tongue, and you get a little bit thirsty, and you're like, I want to seek the Lord. I want to I seek the Lord, or at least I want to want to. Remember we talked about that? I want, I want to want to seek the Lord. Help God, give me the gift of seeking you. Give me the, give me the gift of hunger to seek your face.
Amen? God, I pray that we would be seekers of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the people that are doing the stuff. I thank you. I just, Lord, I am overflowingly grateful for the people that, like Josiah, are walking in the ways of the Lord and not turning to the left or to the right. I'm so grateful. They are foundational. They're the people of God that are doing the things of God for God and with God. But I thank you that you're also calling us, as you did to Josiah, you're, you're creating a desire for more, to seek the more of God, to seek your presence, to seek an audience with you, to be aware of you in our lives, to be this personal, not just the God I encounter at church, but this God that I'm seeking on Tuesday and on Thursday and during the week you're showing up in our lives. Lord, we just pray that that would continue to happen. I pray for God encounters. I pray for the word of God to dwell in us richly this week. And we just pray for great things. Have a, have, I pray for people to have a great holiday weekend and more than anything for your presence to rest on our homes and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.